Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Hear now God's word. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. His word is good. Well, good morning. I love the way Paul reads the scriptures <laughs> with such dramatic force. Uh, I just totally love it. Thank you, Paul. You did a great job. My name is Steve Brucker, and brief background, I was for 33 years a middle school physical education teacher, and now I am retired, and I moved on to training teachers how to teach physical education at Cal State San Marcos. I have a seminary degree in what is called Christian apologetics from Biola. Apologetics is a fancy term for making a case for Christianity. Now, some of you may know this, that my daughter, who is the children's director, broke her ankle. And I know some of you have been praying for her. I appreciate that. And, and for the rest of you, just pray for the healing process that she's already gone through surgery on Friday, and uh, things are going well, but it's a 12-week process. So let me pray right now for my daughter, and uh, then we'll get, we'll get going. Father, ah, you are the great healer. Uh, you hear, heal by miraculous means, and you also use doctors and surgeons to do your healing. And uh, I just thank you for the great report that the doctor gave, that uh, everything looks, looks wonderful. So uh, I just pray as she goes through this process of healing that we as a family will come alongside and be able to help her with, with her three kids and get her through these, these next 12 weeks. And we just praise you for what you're going to do through this. In your son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Now, one of the most important questions there is, is, who is Jesus? Some say he was a wise man. Others say 
he was a prophet, while others say he was a great moral teacher. And all religions have an opinion on who Jesus is. How about you? What is your opinion of who Jesus is? Well, this morning, we're going to look through and use Thomas as he engages with, with Jesus and see how he perceives Jesus, and we'll gain some insight. Now, I came to know Christ in my 30s, and when I came to know Christ, I didn't know anything, and I needed to grow, and I was at a church that was teaching very shallow themes, and I needed to get out of there. And so I ended up going to a church in Escondido called Emmanuel Faith. What's funny about that is that just before I came to know Christ, I told my wife, Peggy, I am never going to that church. And then I end up there, and it it does convince me that God has a great sense of humor. But that summer, after I come to know Christ, I had some friends invite me and Peggy and our family to Forest Home. How many have heard of Forest Home or have been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. It's a wonderful summer camp. It's a conference center near Big Bear, and there's pine trees and rivers and hiking trails and interesting wildlife all around there. It's It's just beautiful. And in the morning, they had a keynote speaker at every session, Monday through Friday. Following the keynote speaker was a breakout session. And my friend said, Steve, you need to go to this breakout session because he is going to go over some core beliefs that you need to learn about. And he was right. I went to that session, and I learned that there is evidence for the reliability of the Bible, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, man, that was incredible information. And I got to admit to you, my mind just blew up right there. And I got to tell you, it has not calmed down since. This is the way I, I operate. Maybe you have the same desire. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that you want to know more about what you believe and why you believe it. Because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And Believe it or not, the disciples had that desire. They wanted to know what they believed. And so when Jesus came to them and selected them, they immediately said yes. And each day with, with Jesus was, it had to be an adventure. Had to be incredible. They were with him for three years, and they learned everything from what he taught and what he did. Must have been an amazing experience. And again, we're going to look at Thomas as he initially encounters Jesus as a disciple when he's selected all the way to where he meets the resurrected Jesus. Now, how important is knowing who Jesus is? How important is that? Well, Jesus is going to confront the religious Jews. They have been going after him, and so he says this to them. John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is telling those religious leaders, you have to get it right 
or you will die in your sins. What does die in your sins mean? A person who dies in their sins is going to pay the penalty for their sins. What is the penalty? What is the punishment? Well, the penalty is when you die, you will be separated from God for all eternity. The Bible calls that hell. And so a false Jesus can save nobody. You have to get it right about who he is, or you will die in your sins. So instead of three points, I'm going to give three clues. These are clues that I gathered from the engagement of Thomas with Jesus. Clue number one was Jesus was a man. Clue two is Jesus was more than a man. And clue three is Jesus is God. So who's Thomas? Well, he's a disciple. And in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is, this is the only time they talk about him when they list the names of the disciples. That's it. They say nothing else about him. And we'll look at one example. We'll look at Luke chapter 6, verses 13 to 15. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. The word apostle is simply a messenger. That's what they were. They were messengers. Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas. Now, as I said before, this is the only time Matthew, Mark, and Luke mentioned Thomas. We're going to rely on John to give us the information we need for today. So, clue one, Jesus was a man. Lazarus was a friend of his in John chapter 11. And Lazarus is sick, and Mary and Martha are with him. And they're in Bethany. Now, where's Bethany? Bethany is three miles east of Jerusalem. I had to look it up on Google Maps to find out where Bethany is. And where is Jesus? Well, Jesus is, is across the Jordan River east of Bethany, and he's with his disciples. And Jesus is going to tell them what's going to happen with Lazarus. He's going to give them an inside information. And we read about it in John chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. This sets the scene. Then after this... Jesus waited two days, because Lazarus is sick, and he waits two days. He said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? The disciples sensed danger. His life might be threatened. What was the danger? Well, the religious Jews were jealous that everybody was following Jesus and not them. Plus, in John chapter 10, based on what Jesus said, they wanted to kill him. So the, the disciples see this danger. Now, if you're a disciple and you're in this situation, what would you do? Would you warn Jesus about the coming danger? I know I would. I felt the disciples were noble in doing that. But we need to look at what 
Thomas said. But before we do that, got to realize that Jesus ignores that. He ignores what the disciples said. He's going to Judea anyway, and he tells them that Lazarus has fallen asleep, and he goes to awaken him. John chapter 11, verses 12 to 16, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Interesting. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin. Now the word, he's called the twin a couple times. Some scholars believe he had a twin, but the scriptures do not mention it, so it's for me, it's unimportant why he's called the twin, so we'll, we'll just skip over that. Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so we may die with him. What a courageous statement by Thomas. Let us also go that we may die with him. So the first thing we notice is that Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there when he died. Why would he say that? Lazarus was his friend. What he was saying was this. He's going to raise him from the dead. And he's going to increase the faith of his disciples. He's going to increase their trust by raising Lazarus from the dead. So what have we learned about Thomas so far? Well, Thomas senses. When he says, let's go, Thomas senses that Jesus knows what he's doing, that Jesus has a purpose for going. And so, okay, I'm going to go along, even if it means my death. Thomas also recognized that Jesus is blessed by God. And so he had the courage to sacrifice his life for this man. But Thomas demonstrates one more truth that, that could be missed. If Jesus can be killed, he's human. That's exactly what Thomas said. If he can be killed, Jesus is human. And that's clue number one. Jesus was human, verified by Thomas' statement. Clue two, Jesus was more than a man. So our next stop is John chapter 14. And Jesus is going to comfort his disciples. Why do they need comfort? Because along the way, Jesus has told them that he's going to die. And this saddened the disciples. You see, they thought he was the Messiah predicted in the Old Testament. And the Messiah they were thinking of was a conquering Messiah, not a dying Messiah. They had no category for that. And so emotionally, they were hurting, and Jesus sensed this. And so he's going to tell them about heaven in John chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. In my Father's house, now that's a reference to heaven, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 
and you know the way to where I am going. So as I said before, I believe the disciples knew he was talking about heaven when he referred to his father's house. And here Jesus is saying that when he dies and then they die, he's coming back for them. What human can do that? What man can come back and do this? And then Jesus said they know the way he is going. Well, I'm going to guarantee you the 12 disciples were clueless. They had no idea what he was talking about when he said that. And they were hesitant to ask a question. Do you ever have that feeling where you're afraid to ask a question because you, you may be thought of as dumb? I do. I have fears that have built up through going through school that I many times will not ask a question. And I think the disciples are the same way. They're afraid. I teach students here mainly third through fifth, and many times there's quite a few that will not raise their hand and ask a question or even answer a question. Then we see courage displayed by Thomas because he's going to ask the question the disciples wanted to ask. John 14, 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Notice he uses the word we twice because he knows he's representing the other 11 disciples, that they have no clue just like he had no clue. And Jesus' answer to the question had to blow the disciples' minds. John chapter 14, verse 6, you should know this verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. This is a dramatic statement. Jesus is saying you want to get into heaven? No one gets into heaven except through him. You have to believe in Jesus to get into heaven. The disciples had to think, no human can say that. This guy has to be more than a man. So now they're putting the pieces together. The disciples heard him say that when he dies and they die, he's coming to get them. He has to be more than a man to come and bring them into heaven. Then he says he's the only way, the way, not a way, but the way to heaven. That you have to believe in him to get to heaven. Let me give you one more example, example from Mark chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, and he was asleep. And they went and woke him and saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Now we pause. They're asking Jesus to save them. They know that Jesus is capable of saving them. That's interesting that that occurred. Verse 26, and he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you a little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, 
that even the winds and the sea obey him. What sort of man is that? Pastor John MacArthur writes the following. Jesus arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and the water became as glass. Jesus stopped it with a word. The one who had control over diseases and demons also had control over nature. And Matthew would proceed to show he also had the power to forgive and to raise the dead. So at this moment, Thomas is convinced that Jesus is a man, that he's human. He's also convinced that Jesus was more than a man. Let's look at clue three. Jesus is God. So here's the scene. Jesus has died on the cross, showing that he is human. He has died on the cross and risen from the dead. And the disciples are gathered. They're afraid. They're in this, this room. They're gathered. The doors are locked. They feared the religious Jews. So we read in John 20, 19 to 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus somehow miraculously appears in that room, in a locked room, somehow penetrating through those, those walls. And he says, peace be with you, because he knows his disciples need to be comforted. And then he shows him his, his hands and his side where the spear had pierced through. And showing those wounds clearly established that it was a bodily resurrection. And the disciples were overwhelmed with joy when they saw that he had overcome death. But Thomas is not there. He's missing. John 20, 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. From this statement, we get the, the term doubting Thomas. How many know who doubting Thomas is? I don't like that nickname. All Thomas wanted is what we would have wanted. Thomas wanted evidence to believe. And what did Jesus do? He gave him evidence. Seeking evidence is a good thing. We all should be doubting Thomases in certain aspects of our life. John 20, 26 and 27. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. I'm sure the door, and the doors were locked. So Thomas was with them, and although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again, he's calming them. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not 
disbelieve, but believe. So we have the doors locked again, and somehow this physical body can penetrate walls. This is a resurrected body. And he tells Thomas to touch his wounds. You see, Jesus never told Thomas to believe by blind faith. A leap of faith. He gave him evidence that that he had risen from the dead. What if you were there? What if Jesus asked you to touch his wounds? How would you have reacted? Would it have caused you to believe? You see, Christianity is not based on blind faith. It is a historical belief system that aligns with reality. If someone asked you, why are you a Christian? The answer is not that I had some sort of emotional experience, not that that's not, that's not bad, or that I grew up in a Christian home. That's not bad. The real reason we are Christians is because it's true. It matches the world as we experience it. So what have we learned from Thomas, from all his experiences? Well, first off, we knew that Jesus was a man because he could be killed. Second, we knew that he was more than a man because Jesus said he'll come back and bring the disciples into heaven after he dies. And that he was the only way to heaven. You must believe in Jesus to go to heaven, is what he said. We learn that he's more than a man. And finally, we learn that Jesus is God. That after touching the resurrected Jesus, Thomas puts the clues together and says this, John 20, 28. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Now in the Greek, Thomas is saying to Jesus, the Lord of me and the God of me. The God in Greek is ha-theos. Ha-theos is is a powerful term that means that Jesus is, is not a created God, not a lesser God, but the God, second person of the Trinity, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God subsisting in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, did Jesus correct him? When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, did Jesus say, no, 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 sorry, Thomas, Uh, I'm not God. What did Jesus do? Instead, he commends him. It says, John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. He's commending Thomas, but he's also commending everybody who has not seen, that was not with Jesus at that time period. That includes us. He's commending us for believing that Jesus is God. Now, why believe this? You may be sitting there saying, I get this stuff, but why believe it? Well, let me give you the, the, the big picture of this. Let me give you the big picture. What I'm saying is, Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's the big picture. That's, that's the conclusion based on the logic of what I've been teaching. Jesus is fully God and fully man. 
Now, everybody here says, Steve, great. I can believe he's a man. But this God stuff, this second nature. You see, I'm, I'm advocating that Jesus had two natures. He was human and he was divine. Two natures, one person in, the, in Jesus. Why do I believe it? It's because the Bible teaches it. Now, I could walk you through many scriptures that teach this, but I'm going to give one example, one you're very familiar with. John chapter 1, verse 1. Again, you're familiar with this. Say it with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God took on human flesh and dwelt among us and went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. For me, Forest Home was a tremendous life-changing experience. And I learned a very important aspect of the gospel. Theologian Jens Zimmerman wrote this. What is the gospel? How does God save the world? It's by becoming human. If the incarnation, pause, incarnation, big word for simply becoming human, that's it. If the incarnation is at the heart of the gospel, then obviously we must be totally central. It must be totally central for all our thinking. The gospel is God as a human Dying on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserve. It's the ultimate sacrifice, and all we have to do is accept that gift and believe and trust in him. Have you accepted that, that truth? Do you believe that Jesus is fully God, fully man? Let me pray. Uh, thank you, Father, that the New Testament writers gave us clear insights into who Jesus is. The gospel proclaims that Jesus came to earth as a human to live the life we couldn't and to die and take the punishment we deserve. Jesus as God is the truth that cannot be denied. A false Jesus saves no one. But may we take this message to others who need to understand who Jesus is. In the name of Jesus, amen.